Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, my first guest uh, is a well-known individual. As a matter of fact, if you live in the Seattle area and probably other cities, you see her column regularly in, uh, in uh, Seattle's medium newspaper. As a matter of fact, if you get last uh, uh, Wednesday's uh, edition, uh, the, February, uh, the July 5th edition, she has a column uh, talking about DEI and the Supreme Court and... Uh, uh, I'll let her talk more about that. So welcome, Dr. Ife Williams. I hope you're doing well. I understand you had an accident, and I hope you're recovering. Uh, so how are you feeling today? Well, you know, I'm a warrior, Eddie. I don't stay down very long. Uh, I um, have rarely been sick in my life, but this bicycle and I collided a couple of weeks ago, and it decided it wanted to put my left arm out of, uh, you know, out of uh, work. So uh, my eye, a few little things going on, but I, I'm okay. I'm I'm not uh, I'm not out of the game. Let's put it like that. Now, uh, you know, you uh, uh, was a former uh, leader of a national organization, and you're a, a syndicated columnist right now. And uh, I read your uh, column in the media, Seattle Medium newspaper about diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, the people on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I'd like to have you discuss, uh, give my listeners your uh, analysis of what you have seen. Well, you know, there was a time when we thought that we were getting places. We had diversity. We, we people were seeking to include uh, all, all all kinds of people. Even Clarence Thomas himself went to Yale on affirmative action, as I understand it. And then suddenly he decides to work against it. I don't know what happens to the brother, but um, he uh, doesn't seem to be upholding the right of other students to have the same rights he has. And I, and I think there's a misunderstanding by so many people. They think that because you are an affirmative action candidate that you have had to do fewer things or less things than other people did. Oh, no, you still got to have good grades. you still got to have community service. You have to have many uh, other positives before you can get into any of these key universities. So I don't know why uh, there are people on the Supreme Court now who seem to be promoting the fact that uh, black people, brown people have had some kind of advantages of getting into a school uh, simply because of their color. That's just simply not the case. And I hope people will stop believing that that's what diversity or that's what inclusion means. Uh, generally, these uh, young people have had to work harder than anyone else to get uh, into a school where they're going, whether it's um, one of the major schools or whether it's a, an historically black school. And also, I hope people don't have the idea that it's easy to get into, uh, you know, predominantly black schools. And we've always freely allowed others to come in. I'm a graduate of Grambling University in Louisiana for my undergraduate. And um, white students came and basically took over the nursing program because it was so good. So we have great things going on in historically black schools, too. But um, then those who want to go to Yale or want to go to Harvard or wherever should not be kept uh, from going there. Well, you know, I was out at, uh, at a reception at... Uh, see, I'm, I'm not at, hearing uh, you uh, at, very well. Yeah, I, I was at a reception at Howard University, and I was surprised to see the large number, and this was like... 15 or 20 years ago, the large uh -huh. number of uh, white students trying to get into the medical school and law school at, and at the Howard. law school, absolutely. You know, some of the major cases in this country have been decided by graduates of the Howard University School of Law. 
And as a matter of fact, the vice president is a graduate of Howard University, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, so there, there are just some, you know, misconceptions about what affirmative action uh, actually means or what inclusion means, what diversity means, etc. And it certainly doesn't mean substandard, uh, as many people uh, believe. And, and many are finding out that there's some really great things going on at some of the predominantly uh, African-American schools like Howard University. Well, you know, one thing that's happening, uh, uh, and you're seeing it more and more with uh, uh, and doing the uh, NC2A basketball tournament, you know, mm-hmm. uh, eight to ten of the players are African-American, and you didn't see two black students, two black faces of students in, in the student section. And the other thing is that those uh, colleges uh, through the uh, on the backs and the labor of those young black men are making tremendous amounts of money for these universities that don't let black students in. And uh, we they, they need to start not, not only letting students in, but hiring faculty and doing business with, in, in the black community, as well as making deposits in black banks. There has uh-huh. to be a return for our, for our, our labor. And, you know, uh, yeah, you know, they, uh, I know at the University of Washington, I keep reading every day about these four and five star recruits coming in. And, you know, they never talk about their test scores because they're there to make the University of Washington prominence and make them money. And uh, so uh, I'm going to find out uh, from a couple of the regions what kind of business is the University of Washington doing with, with Black-owned businesses? Mm-hmm. And uh, what kind of deposits uh, are they making other than showing up for a dinner every now and then? Absolutely, uh, because that has been what has happened so often, uh, and they've benefited the schools in no way. Uh, it, it's time for all of us start looking at what goes on in our community, uh, those who are taking the wealth, even taking, when I say the wealth, not only the, the wealth in terms of money, but the wealth of young people taking them out of um, our communities and, and putting them into businesses where they're taught to do business other than coming back to our own community. There, there was a time, you remember, when we came back to our communities, we felt that we owed it to our communities to help to uh, build them, and we need to return to that. So wherever we go to school, we should uh, know that we have a responsibility for community service uh, and work in our own communities so that we can build them. Um, I, I hope we get a chance to say something about um, uh, Miss, Mr. Tommy T- Tuberville from Alabama. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Because Terrific Tommy Turberville. Boy, I tell you, he, he's a lost case. Absolutely. He's, he's a, you know, a case of what is going on so many places around the country. We thought that when uh, uh, DeSantis decided to put down the word woke, and, and I resent that because my radio program is called Wake Up and Stay Woke. But uh, DeSantis decided he was going to talk about uh, people who are woke as a negative. Well, Tommy Turberville, supposed to be an educated man, although he's from Alabama, uh, protesting the military's health program for women. And he's willing to injure our United States military in order to get his racist position across. And then when he's called out uh, about uh, calling white nationalists not, you know, not being racist, uh, I'm just glad even uh, McConnell has uh, put him down on that, that what is a white nationalist other than a white racist? We've always known that. But, you know, that's spreading across the country. It might have started with DeSantis, but we all need to wake up and stay woke because I was looking at the superintendent over in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
who um, basically said, well, it's okay to talk about, you know, the, 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 the riots, the revolts, or whatever that killed killed over 300 people in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, as a matter of fact. But don't refer to it as, um, you know, a white, white racist. You can say racist, but don't say white. Well, who else is a racist in this country uh, that makes a difference other than white people? So they're trying to confuse people by softening what they say, but it's going back to the pre-1960s, some of the behavior of these people who have supposedly gone to some of the best schools in the country, as they would say, and yet they're so ignorant about what they're saying. And this, uh, I hope people will listen to what is going on with that term woke and what people mean. And if teachers are fired, for example, in Florida, we need to be figuring out how to hire some of them in our cities, in our towns, and get the best of uh, those who have tried to be good for the children in Florida. And, you know, we need to go back to determining whether we should go to cities and put in, into their economy if they're not doing the right thing by all people. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, that whole uh, immigrant law that uh, Ron DeSantis champion has uh, uh, the people they need to uh, work the fields to get those crops and maintain their economy and maintain this, the nation's food supply. Mm -hmm. uh, those folks are leaving, and now you have the farmers, many of them who were uh, to the far right saying, hey, you're destroying uh, our business and you're destroying the economy and you're st destroying uh, the food supply. So Absolutely. All and, of uh, course, that means that it's going to become more costly for people who uh, live in that state. We have to look at all aspects of what these races in these states are doing. And I, and I put Ron DeSantis in that, um, in that position because he is the one that's making a laughingstock of Florida, but it isn't, it isn't funny at all what he's doing. He's hurting the people who are there. Many people have gone there thinking they're going to spend the rest of their lives there after retirement, and he's making it more difficult, more costly for them. So we have to pay attention to these things before we make a move. But when people leave Florida and other places where there are such races, we have to try to make room for them and let them know that they're appreciated for uh, making the sacrifice to do what is good. No, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton said, uh, if you're not woke, you sleep. <laughs> absolutely. We're not going back to sleep on our, on our rights, our civil rights, our educational <laughs> rights, or women's right to choose. Uh, that's not going to be happening. But again, going back to uh, Senator Tuberville, uh, to de demoralize the military like he's doing. Mm -hmm. And then there's another senator that came out and said, I don't agree with all this, but I do agree that, uh, you know, that a woman shouldn't have control. Right now. And what I'm going to wait, really wait to see is how many of these voters, these especially white female voters, that after everything Donald Trump did in 2016, 53% of white females voted for Donald Trump. And I've seen, you know, a large gathering of people have a right to support whoever they want to, but I can't support any kind of racist policies, and that's what he advocates. Uh, I can't, I can't support anybody that's advocating uh, the positions that Donald Trump is. And then another yeah. thing too is, you would mm -hmm. think the thing with Tuberville, the military, and the fact that uh, 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 forty-five, he was so happy to be embracing uh, some of the people who are notorious, like Putin. And uh, my man over in, in uh, North Korea, mm -hmm. uh, Kim absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, it's so it's 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 really amazing. But I tell you one thing, I am happy to see that uh, there's talk going on with China because I've been talking to some uh, NBA. You know, as a matter of fact, in the NBA, 
the people in Republic of China, they have like 150 million people watching the NBA. Uh-huh. And I was uh, coming to talk to uh, Lenny Wilkins and Spencer Haywood, who was president of the retired uh, NBA Players Association. Hey, you know, if they're going to kill affirmative action here, uh, we have markets outside of this country. And if the NBA is so reverent over there, it'd be good to have a couple of uh, exhibition games over there, have some of the legend players go, and uh-huh. also have a plain load of black business people to start uh-huh. making some business. If Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's, Nike, Microsoft, General Motors, and the list goes on, they can do business over in the People's Republic of China. How come black folks can? And uh, yeah. so I'm hoping that uh, I get hear something back. I will be calling Congressman Gregory Meeks, who's the ranking member now of the Foreign Relations Committee, to see about the possibilities. Because we've got to do something different. And if we are embraced in other areas and can do some business uh, and help uplift our community and create uh, uh, something a plus for the economy for African Americans, then that's what I think we need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Mr. Gregory, uh, my friend Dick Gregory used to say that uh, one of the reasons that Clarence Thomas is as mean as he is toward black people, and he, and he does hate black people. I mean, that's obvious. I don't think that's a secret. Is that uh, the black women probably didn't go to the prom with him, so he's still mad about that, you know? <laughs> so he decided to marry someone who is so anti-American, so anti-democracy, that it doesn't make sense that he uh, jumped over to do that. And back to uh, Senator Tupperville, I don't think he deserves to be called senator, first of all, uh, but he has an awful record, and he can't use the fact that he has coached black players to mean that he's not a racist. I mean, there are a whole bunch of racists around this country who coach black players for uh, the benefit that it brings to their schools, not the benefit that it brings to the young people. But I think a lot of what Torberville is doing has to do with the fact of, uh, that the black general was about to uh, get a, 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 you know, a, a promotion, and he doesn't He's the commandant of the Marines, and he couldn't get ready for it. Yes, he, he's willing to, to leave the, the Marines of all the groups uh, without a leader in order to have his way about um, keeping up this General Brown from getting into a high position, too. So we have to watch out for all of these things. And then I'd finally like to say it's so important for us as a people to be kinder to one another. I find some of us, and, and I don't mean just Clarence Thomas, being mean to each other instead of paying attention to how we can make this world better for all of us, realizing what our ancestors went through just to get all of us where we are today. We need to learn to be kinder and gentler to one another and to be willing to go out there in the community and to help make the changes that need to be made so that our children can have a better world than we're experiencing today. Well, you know, I have a couple of gentlemen who are going to be on at the end of the program, uh, uh, the latter part of the program, uh, that are involved with uh, an initiative called Love Thy Neighbor, mm-hmm. and this will be kicked off on, on the 15th uh, mm-hmm. of July, and it's something that was signed into uh, a proclamation by the governor of Washington State. So mm-hmm. we do have some people back here, uh, a brother by the name of uh, Jonathan Johnson, who's president of Tacoma uh, branch of the NAACP, and Grover Johnson, who is mm-hmm. one of my co-board members and co-founders of the National Association of Minority Contracts of the Washington State chapter. So uh, I was hoping that we would have... Uh, your friend and your neighbor, Dr. Leslie Baskerville, on by now. Uh, there there is right a group here. called Black Women for Positive Change back here in Washington, and they're planning to do 
some uh, things on peace in October for in the International uh, uh, Peace um, Time, and I hope that you will recognize that, too, for the United Nations Peace. Um, there are just women all across this country who are doing wonderful things, and I think we need to give them more credit. Dr. Baskerville is one of my good friends, my neighbor, and she's doing just miraculous things with uh, historically uh, black colleges. So I just want want, uh, your listeners to know that I love her. She's a great neighbor. She does all kinds of wonderful things, spends many hours working uh, for the benefit of historically black colleges and universities, no matter from which they have graduated. And I hope more people will send their young people to uh, historically uh, and predominantly black colleges because they get some things there that they don't get elsewhere. Well, Dr. Basterville is online and she heard all of your accolades. (laughs) Okay. How are you doing, Dr. Leslie Basterville? And Dr. Ife Williams is one of my sheroes and my leaders. And of course, you are as well. Dr. Eddie Rye, thank you so much for having me here today. Well, it's uh, very important that we have you here. It's always important to have you because you've been helping our young people for so long. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Angela Rye had a job with uh, Dr. Leslie Baskerville as well. And because she had that opportunity. She was discovered by Congressman Benny Thompson and ended up with the Homeland Security Department. So, so Dr. Baskerville, I wanted you to, first of all, share with our listeners a little it's bit about- the brightest her. light that any of us were privileged to have work with us. And she continues to shine fast and radiant light around the world. I love Angela Rye and thank you for Angela Rye. All and, right. uh, Eddie, let me just say that, you know, my energy level is pretty low these days with that bicycle. Oh, uh, okay. accident that I had. So I'm going to jump off if it's okay, but you're in good hands with my good friend, Dr. Leslie Baskerville, who I love very much. Okay, Dr. E.P. Williams, thank you. And we love you too. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you for all you do. All right. Okay, Dr. Baskerville, can you share with our listeners that are not be uh, not be uh, aware of what uh, the NAPIO does, the National Association for Equal Opportunity in Education? Why don't you share that a little summary with our listeners? Sure. Thank you so much. National Association for Equal Opportunity in Higher Education is a 54-year-old not-for-profit association founded by all of the presidents and chancellors of America's historically Black colleges and universities, 106 of them, and 80 predominantly Black institutions, their presidents and chancellors, to serve as the voice for Blacks in higher education. So for 54 years, we've been providing collaborative voice among the publics, the privates, the two years, the four years, the land grants, um, and the vast diverse grouping of, of, of colleges, historically black colleges and predominantly black colleges, the story about how these institutions, small in numbers are punching way above their weight. The HBCUs, for example, are just 3% of American colleges and universities, but they're today graduating 42% of Blacks that graduate with advanced degrees in the sciences, technology, engineering, and mathematics. 50% of Blacks today that graduate with degrees in, or in, they serve as education professionals uh, in, in medicine and other areas, but importantly, HBCUs receive disproportionate percentages of students from the lowest economic quartile. And by the time they graduate on average in six years, which is the same as the overall American average, six years, um, they are graduating more students who are in the top 
20% of the economic quartile. So they're doing tremendous things today. Um, and in the wake of the um, anti-diversity higher ed case, the um, Students for Fair Admissions, known as the Harvard case and the North Carolina um, case, I think it's important to also point out that historically Black colleges and universities are just that. They are historically Black. They're not um, Black institutions for Black people, by Black people, of Black people. They are not, for example, minority-serving institutions. They're not like Hispanic-serving institutions, Asian Pacific Islander institutions, and predominantly Black institutions. By legislation, they are required to serve a specific percentage of Hispanics in the case of HSIs, Asian Pacific Islanders, a specific percentage or specific number, uh, and the same with predominantly Black. HBCUs were founded by America, public HBCUs at a time when America chose not to have uh, African ancestry people in school with white folks. And rather than open the doors and in, invite Black folks to sit next to them, they established this dual education system, a track for Black people, um, separate and unequal. And when the Brown versus Board of Education decision was decided, it didn't decide, it didn't even consider higher ed institutions. And so from this dark history, HBCUs have overcome so many of the shortcomings, have overcome uh, the fact that America continues to invest disproportionately fewer dollars in HBCUs than they do in their historically white counterparts, but they're punching above their weight. They're overcoming those things. But America owes, and we, not just Black people, but we as Americans who believe in the value the education value of a richly diverse education environment, and they believe in the egalitarian ideal, and are going to prod America to realize its egalitarian ideal, must continue to fight to make sure that HBCUs, that we close the education, the economic, the wealth, the health, the, the justice, the sustainability gaps. And HBCUs have been leading the way in that. And if we can prod America, in, in the states and in Congress to invest in HBCUs commensurate with their outcomes in accordance with their output, the outcomes for, for, for the paltry, relatively paltry inputs, um, then we can close them. These schools can lead in closing the way. Um, so we're working on that, but we're working on, on building the infrastructures of HBCUs, and our HBCUs are also the primary service providers in their communities. And so they have um, health care centers, they have community-based health centers, some of them do. Um, we have four historically Black medical schools, and we've got nearly 50 historically Black nursing programs. We have uh, business centers where our institutions, many of them located in the areas of greatest distress, but the members, the faculties, and so many of their service programs are located in the belly of the beast, if you will, and they're preparing people through their housing complexes, through their faith institutions, through barber shops and basketball courts, um, instilling in our communities, the the um, historically black communities, um, a that that they are significant, and no matter what circumstances into which they are born, 
we, the HBCU community and alumna and others who believe in the anchoring principles of HBCUs, of faith, of family, of fortitude, of excellence, of service, um, they too can move from where they are today and HBCUs are gonna walk them through. And NAFIO as a membership association is privileged to do that. We find students on metros here in Washington. We find students uh, in agricultural environments in Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, elsewhere around the corner. We're working in 28 states where we have HBCUs or PBIs, but we also go to any state where we're invited. Uh, we've been in California, for example, they wanted to have a partnership. So they, they don't have HBCUs there, but they understand the value of HBCUs and moving so many students from where they are to a much better station and instilling in them their obligation to, to get, give back as they go forward. So we've been all around the country and, and we're in six countries. We've got um, a sharing agreements either um, faculty exchanges, student exchanges, or developmental and entrepreneurship programs in six countries presently. I love the work. I've been in the space for many years, and um, I wake up as, as privileged and excited about the service that I'm going to give today as I did when I first started. How can people support uh, your efforts? Um, well, they can they can join us in any number of ways. We need all manner of of um, support services. So if there are people who um, can write. If we, right now we're looking for um, somebody who specializes in digital technology to help us to to get a, a stronger brand to to move it so that we can get the word out about what we're doing. Um, and that would be very helpful. We always need uh, finances. We are um, 501c3, and we principally get our money from membership dues. But we are able to, and we welcome support from individuals, foundations, uh, corporations, government, and others. Um, uh, one of the things, a couple of things that we're doing recently, and one that I think is really important, and you'll be interested in, Dr. Rye, is the um, ECRID partnership, NAFIO um, partnered with ECRID, which is the first uh, black founded and um, black shareholder controlled credit bureau and lending corporation. And it was founded to help people who have been locked out from unfettered participation in commerce, um, have been denied credit so that they can get a house, so that they can get an automobile, so they can get better rates on school loans and so forth. Um, so it's it's deemed to be a fair housing, a fair credit, and a fair lending bureau that um, some of the federal agencies, FHF, FHFA has looked at and others, Congresswoman Maxine Waters has had, had hearings about the challenges with Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian that not only lock out too many black and brown people, but white folks and others who are um, not born into the communities of greatest advantage. And so we're working with them to come up with solutions, but we're also putting on top of ECRIT, which is a publicly traded corporation, ECDD, we're, we are overlaying on ECRIT a platform so that 
all of the students attending an HBCU or a PBI can learn about the principles of business, but there's so many business principles, but overlay on that, how they can become a part of business. And if they remain in the program, they will be gifted stock in this fintech corporation that is rapidly growing and has a tremendous platform with 110 million households and 250 million individuals. And so we're trying creative ways of, of making sure that our students, our families, and our service communities are, are blessed by what we do. But we also want to hear from them, things that are important to them that we're not working on right now. Uh, Dr. Leslie Basterville, we could have you on for 30 more minutes, but I got a couple more guests. So gotta go. have you on, I'm gonna have to have you on regularly because you have a lot of information to dispense. And well, let's do it. I'm gonna get you some advertisers. Done. I'm gonna get you some advertisers so we could do a regular thing and I'd love to talk with them, but thank you. I'm just blessed by, by what you do all of the time and anything I can do to help you, you call on me and I look forward to seeing you in September. All right, now, thank you very much. And we look forward to having you on a few times before then, okay? Thank you. Have a glorious rest of your day. Okay, thank you, Dr. Basserville. Thank you, Dr. Rock. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with Zelina Mathis, who is organizing an event on, this, uh, uh, on the north end of Seattle where her son was a victim of gun violence. So we'll take a break and come right back to her. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Right, back at Urban Forum Northwest. I want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They own the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar out of SeaTac. And that's uh, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt. The Port of Seattle's Earthy Contracting Office and the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office. Thank you for your support. My next guest is Zelina Mathis. And I would like to introduce her and let her start by saying, uh, the tragedy she had to deal with and is dealing with right now and what she's doing to respond to gun violence uh, in the Seattle area. So welcome, Ms. Selena Mathis, and go right ahead and share with our listeners exactly what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Dr. Dr. Rye, for inviting Actually, I'm me. Just on Rye. I'm just Eddie Rye. She fakes on the doctor. I'm just Eddie Rye. I'm not really Dr. Rye, okay? 
yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for inviting me on to the Northwest Forum. It's an honor to be here and be given this platform to um, to tell my uh, story and my son's story. My son's name is Prince Daryl Carroll. He was born April 23rd, 1992. He was just 31 years old when he was shot and killed on North Aurora off of 137th and Aurora on June 16th. I received that call, that horrible call that no mother or parent ever wants to receive by the Seattle Medical Examiner's Office. And the call that I have that God has, as a mother, and I've reached out to other mothers and other community leaders who have lost loved ones. And I wanted my, my son's name to be known because to the city of Seattle, my son and to King Five, those that reported him, he was just a victim that got shot dead on the streets in the city of Seattle. So nobody knew that didn't know my son that he was shot and killed. My son was dealing with mental illness. He was actually just released from the mental health hospital, not even a, a day, 24 hours from a mental health hospital in Everett, Washington before he was shot dead. And so I'm calling out to parents, community leaders, organizations that want to stand united together in a march for peace and prayer this coming Sunday the 16th of June, right um, starting at 130th and Aurora Avenue North. We're going to walk on the sidewalk and bring your signs, bring your families, bring your friends. And we're going to walk to 137th, just a few blocks where my son passed away. There we'll have a vigil. Reverend Harriet G. Walden will be there for a prayer and speech and other community leaders will be there joining us. So I appreciate you, uh, Mr. Eddie Rye, to giving me this opportunity to reach other families that need prayer, need hope, need love. That's what this prayer, peace, march and vigil is all about in memory of my son, Prince Daryl. And that's gonna be at what time, what day? It's going to be this Sunday, the 16th of July. It starts at 3 p.m. We'll all gather at the Burger King next to the parking parking lot on 130th and Aurora Avenue North at three. Then we will walk from about 3.30 over to the location where the vigil will be on 137th, 20th Aurora Avenue North. It'll be right next to the Comfort Inn and Suites on Aurora Avenue North off 137th is where the vigil will be. Well, Mrs. Mathis, uh... Uh, sorry about the loss of your son, but I am uh, encouraged by the fact that you are uh, not letting this just go idly by, that you're going to actually do something, and hopefully you will encourage other folks who have been uh, have, who have lost loved ones by gun violence to also show up, and hopefully uh, we can do something, and I got my next guest to talk about love thy neighbor, and it couldn't come at a better time because there's actually too much hatred in the world. And the fact, the other problem is that we have, like with your son's situation, there's just not enough attention to pay with to people who have mental challenges. And that's what yeah. I certainly hope that folks really advocate for, because we have a lot of people that need to have, to have service that is not receiving it. So thank you very much for what you're doing. I wish you all the best. 
And my heart and condolences goes out to you and your family for the loss of your son. So thank you very much, Mrs. Lena Mathis. And thank you for being a warrior. And I know that uh, Reverend Harriet Walden has been on the battlefield for a long time. And you can't find a finer person to be involved in the efforts you're undertaking right now. So thank you very much and wish you the best. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Okay. Uh, my next guest is uh, the president of the Tacoma, Washington branch of the NAACP, uh, Mr. Jonathan Johnson. And we'll be joined uh, eventually by uh, uh, Grover Johnson. They're not brothers, but they are brothers. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Jonathan, why don't you start off by introducing yourself and letting uh, the folks know what you're doing with the Tacoma NAACP, and then when, when Grover gets on, we're going to love thy neighbor. All right. Thank you, uh, Brother Eddie Rye. Uh, we all brothers, and i just start with that, and I just, uh, I'm very pleased to hear your show. Every time I tune in, I get an opportunity to, to uh, expand my understanding. Uh, Tacoma Branch NAACP is... Uh, uh, it is the place where I planted myself to grow. I'm, I'm from New Mexico, but I, I came to uh, Tacoma with the Army, and I just am really impressed with uh, how we have uh, a black mayor. This is our second black, actually third black mayor, uh, a city that is moving in, I think, a very positive direction. Uh, the Tacoma NAACP is involved in a lot of things. You know, we, we work everything through our committees. And uh, one of the uh, things, one of the lessons that I learned when I came to the NAACP uh, years ago is I, I made a suggestion in one of the NAACP meetings, and uh, then President uh, uh, Gregory Christopher said, okay, you can be the chair. So I, I learned, just like in the Army, you, you open your mouth, you end up getting some responsibility for something. So it was, it was a good thing. Um, but the, the Tacoma branch uh, was asked to... Uh, to be a host for the Love Thy Neighbor event this year. Uh, that suggestion that I made was uh, that we have more diffuse spread out across the, the community, opportunities for people to talk about violence, hate, racism, discrimination, bigotry, abuse, and prejudice, but not just to talk about those things, but what are the things that we need and must do to avoid the kinds of situations that we're seeing with uh, young people shooting one another on the roads and the parks, in the schools and every place else. Uh, we have to find the solution to uh, what I call the destructive seven, those things I've mentioned before. And as we find solutions to those things, we'll find ways to address them. First thing we need to define what brotherly love is, and that's that's a tough thing. I posted on Facebook, what what would what does brotherly or what does uh, love thy neighbor mean? And uh, somebody posted, I hope it's not that she's hot, but uh, we have to figure out what the word love means. Uh, and, and we need to find out what brotherly love is about. And thy, you know, for those who are in the church, we know what thy means. For those who are not, thy doesn't have a lot of meaning. And the neighbor we're trying to make sure that we do the right thing. So what we're trying to do on that date is come up with some very specific, tangible things that each of us can do so that we can have a uh, community that is more like the one that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King talked about, and that is a beloved community. 
Uh, and it starts with the little steps. You know, I, I was in the military after after uh, finishing my course at Arizona State University, went to the Airborne, Airborne Training Center, and they gave me a whole set of exercises that I had to do before I could actually go and jump out of a perfectly good airplane. We have steps that we have to perform before we can have that beloved community that we're talking about. And some of those steps require that we learn how to have empathy. How do we develop friendship, experience, communication, compassion, trust, awareness? We want to, we're going to deal with all of those things, but we can't do them all at once. We have to find a way for our community to get that in there, what I call operating system. So we're doing these things every day. So when someone comes up to you and says, I like how you treat me, that is passed on to everyone else. And I think one of, one of your speakers alluded to that. We have to treat each other better in our black community so that we see young men and young women as having value rather than someone who we need to have vengeance on. And it's, a, it's going to be a tough road, but we're working on that. But thank you. I see that, uh, that uh, my brother, Other Johnson, is here, and I'll, I'll defer to him because the TMA is leading this effort. The Tacoma Branch is hosting this particular one, uh, and it's going to be on, uh, this is on, uh, let me get the address for you right quick. Uh, excuse me. It's going to be uh, at 11th and J Street in Tacoma on uh, July 15th from 1.30 to 4. We've got live music from uh, a group, uh, Triple Threat, and we'll have free hot dogs, and we will have an opportunity to engage in the conversation uh, with folks what we're going to do and set some goals of how we're going to make this a better place. So thank you, and I'll defer to, uh, to Grover. All right, Grover Johnson. Uh... Make America Greater. Why don't you talk about how you came up with this concept? And uh, I see you got it uh, where I guess the governor signed on. So why don't you share a little background with us on, on that? After you unmute, though. Uh, uh, thank you, Eddie. And uh, definitely, uh, it's a good time of the year to uh, to start doing better. Uh, that make America greater actually uh, is something that uh, a, a slogan that uh, we use uh, to help um, make things better than what they are. Of course, uh, you know, the saying uh, to some groups are make uh, America great again. And uh, based on my history, uh, America has never been great. Uh, but here's an opportunity that we can uh, change uh, America around, uh, particularly and before we can make America great, we have to first start with our communities. And this is what we're doing here in Tacoma uh, this year uh, with Our Love Thy Neighbor. Uh, we want to start with our community. Uh, and as you know, and every all the other listeners, uh, there have been uh, a, a plethora of, uh, of uh, gun violence, uh, and particularly young men, still high school age. And uh, this is one of the things that we are losing uh, our, that generation. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, and there's probably tons of reasons as to why. But uh, nevertheless, this is something we gotta be a, continue to be aware of and and stand up and and uh, uh, do something at least to try to help these young men, these young women uh, to progress in life and also to succeed in a different way. Uh, you know, 
pulling the gun on somebody and um, shooting someone is usually not the answer because once you shot somebody, you killed them, uh, definitely that's one loss. And then the person that actually did the shooting, that's two loss. So we lost two people. But nevertheless, we, we just want to reach out to the community and uh, try to help with some of these uh, anus homicides that's been happening here in our communities and uh, try to redirect our children uh, to head in a different direction as well. But primarily, you know, it's not just a one month thing. It's a year round thing. This is something uh, that need to be worked on consistently. And, uh, you know, if, if we don't do something now to make it a short term, it's going to be that much harder when it become a long term process and it's gotten out of hand. And uh, we want to try and to bring awareness, if nothing else, and uh, uh, to the community uh, in terms of the change that need to be made here within our communities and how our kids are growing up in these communities. And, you know, the people living in these communities not really feeling safe uh, any longer. But awareness is important. And, uh, you know, it is just not one group uh, uh, problem. You know, it's all of our problems. Uh, and we got to work together to be able to solve this problem. And uh, it's just gotten too far out of hand, and uh, we need to try and put a stop to it, Eddie. Um, I guess right before you, uh, Ms. Alina Mathis, her son was uh, killed by oh, gun yeah. violence uh, on, on, uh, on on the 16th of June. And uh, they're having a march and also an event at the north end of Seattle on Aurora Avenue. Uh, so, And your event on Love Thy Neighbor is Saturday the 15th. So, Rover, how did you come up with this idea, and how did you get uh, folks to buy into it like the governor? Well, uh, quite honestly, you know, uh, like I said, you know, it really, we're degenerating. You know, we're going back to cowboys, uh, vigilante days, you know, and uh, we, we, we're degenerating. We're moving backwards instead of forward. And uh, and that's the wrong direction, you know, uh, for us to have to travel in, particularly, you know, with our with our children. Uh, to be involved in something like uh, like these type of crimes that are happening today. And it, it really bothered me because we're losing our kids. And, uh, it's, you know, it's just not good. And again, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of reasons why uh, this is happening. And you know, I'm, I could just name a few, you know, but nevertheless, social media had taken a big part in these kids' lives. Uh, also, too, uh, single-parent households, uh, particularly with mothers. I'm not saying all but the majority of them, a good percentage of them, uh, are single parents that are getting in, in, into these troubles. But you, you look at the uh, percentage of those who are committing these crimes who are uh, teenagers, still in high school, you know, uh, and, and that's hurting. That's hurting. That, that's hurting our community. Uh, that's hurting us uh, as individuals as well. So nevertheless, we want to make it safe and, and, and try to reach out uh, to our youth. Uh, to let them know, you know, there's a better way uh, and a better life uh, rather than getting caught up and mixed up in these uh, get get rich quick kind of thing uh, the wrong way. So that's that's what made me jump out, Eddie, like I did, and trying to make a difference here. And that that's that's good. It's, it's also good that like uh, Miss Mathis is having the event on on Sunday uh, in Seattle. And as something's happening in Tacoma, uh, once again, that's where that's going to be located. Where Grover or either Jonathan? Uh, a, a lot of you are probably familiar with Bob's Barbecue. They're an icon here uh, and been revered in this community of Tacoma uh, for years. 
And uh, they are located on J Street, South 11th and J Street. Uh, what we're going to do, we're going to be handing, you know, giving out hot dogs and uh, we'll have Triple Treat uh, is the name of the band that's going to be playing as well. And we're going to have the speakers coming in and out during the day, uh, that period. Now it's from 1.30 to 4 o'clock. And uh, we welcome everyone to stop in. Uh, if nothing else, uh, grab a hot dog, sit down and listen to some good music uh, for a short time. And then uh, we'll, you know, talk about, or if you have any questions, uh, Jonathan uh, is going to be uh, narrating. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions or anything, uh, any comments or anything that can help uh, with the situation uh, that we're in in our community, that, that would be great as well. Who are the sponsors of the event, Grover? Uh, the sponsors, oh my God. Uh, we have uh, uh, Ace Metals uh, out of uh, we've got the city of Tacoma. Uh, we have uh, Scott's Funeral Home. Uh, we have uh, NAACP of Tacoma chapter. Uh, we also have the A. Philip Randolph chapter as well, and front and center. Okay, good. And don't, don't forget the Tacoma Oh, Tribune, oh and the so. National, National Association of Murder Contractors City. I, right, I, was, wait, I was waiting to hear that. The Washington State chapter. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was, I was waiting to hear that. Now, which, which, Jonathan, you had a comment? I also had the Tacoma Tribune is also one of our sponsors there. Okay, okay. So, uh, I guess the best way to deal with the problems we're having is for or, uh, people to emulate what you and Miss Mathis are doing all across the country. Uh, I think that, you know, uh, the thing is out of control and the best way to deal with it is head on. And by providing uh, 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 venues and programs like you're doing, Grover, uh, and like Miss Mathis is doing, is the best way to uh, highlight the fact that, you know, it leads to tragedy because her son was, was killed by gun violence. And we know that uh, we've had a rash, not only in our Seattle and Tacoma, but also around the country. And as a matter of fact, I think we have probably have more gun violence in this country than any other country uh, in the world right now. Especially yeah. ones that are supposed to be industrialized uh, nations that are supposed to be advanced, technologically advanced and everything else, still having these same issues. And I think that by starting with uh, having events like this, uh, is something now, Jonathan. Also, the uh, national NAACP convention is coming up, right? And That's correct. Have, 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 is that part of their platform? What what is what are they doing to uh, uh, advise or direct their branches to do across the country? Well, I, I have to admit that uh, I have not been keeping up with national. I'm not able to make it this year. I've had some medical things come up myself, but I can say that the, the things that we're doing are consistent with what national is doing. We're trying to engage in the conversation and we're trying to actually change behaviors. You know, it's, it's easy to it's easy. It's easy to uh, to complain and say what's wrong. But if you don't get your hand in hands dirty and do something about it, uh, you, you're just wasting your time. So we are we're moving with uh, partners within our community. And this one is the with the Minister Alliance. Uh, we've also got organizations in the community, uh, organization that is uh, standing against uh, uh, racism. Uh, we're bringing together folks and having the conversation. And then from the conversation, what actions, what individual steps are we going to take on a regular basis to change what's happening? Uh, and it starts, you know, nothing like having someone first in, in the morning, make your day bad, and then you make yeah. that bad for people that you Take come care. So we're trying to find ways to uh, 
change that. Well, we appreciate it. Grover, I appreciate you and Jonathan, what you guys are doing with it. I appreciate my earlier guest, Dr. Ife Williams. You can read her column in uh, the Medium newspaper. And also uh, uh, Dr. Leslie Baskerville of the National Association for Equal Opportunity in Higher Education. Ms. Alina Mathis, who is having an event where Reverend Dr. Harriet Walden will be speaking on the 16th, uh, which is Sunday out at 137th in Aurora. So thank you all very much. We appreciate what you're doing in the community and look forward to seeing all of you very soon. So thank you very much for the day. And I want to say that uh, don't forget, this program is supported by Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity and Inclusion, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They own the Africa Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar on Concourse A. Uh, that's owned by two brothers, uh, military veterans. Uh, as a matter of fact, they were officers in the Iraq War, uh, Jerry Woodson and Rod O'Neill. So hopefully the port will give that a lot of consideration when they get ready to extend their uh, their lease agreements and stuff. So we got to get paid back some kind of way. Then the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office uh, with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman and Josie Regan. Uh, Kent Keel is uh, uh, with uh, Sound Transit. He's on the board. Uh, I want to make sure I give him a shout out. Uh, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Office. Uh, I want to give them a shout out as well. And once again, uh, on Saturday uh, in Tacoma, on uh, let me look it up right quick, uh, from 1, uh, 1 uh, o'clock to 4, 1.30 to 4, was that, yeah, one, at uh, 11th and J Street, uh, Make America Greater. And this is a Love Thy Neighbor event that my, my colleagues on the line here, Grover Johnson and Jonathan Johnson, president of Tacoma Branch NAACP have put together. And then on Sunday, uh, out at 137th and Aurora, 130th and Aurora, uh, that's going to be at the Burger King lot. And you'll walk to 137th and Aurora about 3 p.m. on Sunday, July 16th. And that is an event that's uh, headed up by the mother of a, a young man, uh, Prince Daryl Carroll, who lost his life to gun violence on June 16th, 2023, right out in that area. So. That's going to be at the Burger King on 130th. They will march to 137th. You can hear my good friend, Reverend Dr. Harriet Walden, make her presentation. Uh, and, you know, she's been up on it for a long time, Mothers for Police Accountability. They've been doing it for 30 years. So anyway, I want to thank you guys and uh, have a good week. And I will talk to you real soon. Thank you, Eric. And we're on signing off. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, 
friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com.